Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, it's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 23, Are You Living Someone Else's Life? Now, if you're following this podcast as I'm posting them, today is January the 4th, 2018, or Thursday. Normally this podcast updates on Mondays and Wednesdays. But unfortunately, yesterday, we had this uh, winter storm, you know, icy road conditions. So that's why I didn't post on Wednesday. And I was driving along this road and we had this winter storm. So here we are, a special Thursday edition. If you're listening to this podcast and this is your first episode, I'm an assistant professor of biology and I've been teaching for about five and a half years now. But my days as a professor are numbered. And the reason why is because I'm becoming part of the problem. You have a system where students graduate, there are tens of thousands of dollars in student debt, or if they took out the maximum hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt for a major that if they were honest with themselves, they don't even care about. We have two graduations, one in May and one in December, and I have to go to each one. And each time I've watched students walk across the stage and they're happy. And then their family members and friends are cheering them on. But all I can think about is once the elation of the festivities wear off, they're faced with the cold, hard reality of the world. And that is they have to pay all this debt back for a job that probably doesn't even exist. And now I'm the type of person that say, look, if you, if you want to have a job, fine. If you want to be an entrepreneur, fine. I try to give my students options. I say, look, you don't have to have a job. You're going to be an entrepreneur, but it takes a certain type of mindset to do so. A lot of these students don't have people skills. They don't have, uh, they, they lack networking skills. Uh, most of them just have a degree that's practically worthless. And I know that's a strange thing for a professor to say, but I'm not here to dogpile on the higher educational system because I would be a hypocrite. I'm a product of the system because I have a doctorate and I teach in the system. But at the same time, it would be naive for me not to notice these things and to acknowledge these things. You can't solve a problem. You're not, if you're not willing to acknowledge that one exists, but for the sake of this episode, my point is that these students are living someone else's life that they never want to go into college in the first place. It's so obvious. Now I teach two types of classes. I teach the biology classes that all the juniors and seniors take. And then the other type is the biology class for all the non-majors. That's basically to satisfy the core curriculum. I have a lot of issues with the core curriculum, but <laughs> that's a story for another day. Now I love teaching the biology class for the non-majors, but most of my colleagues prefer to teach the class for the majors. And the reason why I like the non-major class, you know, they're the math majors, the business majors, political science majors, English majors, anything but biology. I love that class because the students are not afraid to let me know how much they hate biology. That's not their major. A lot of them can appreciate it, but some of them don't care about it. And you know what? I can respect that. I said, look, you don't have to like biology. You don't have to like me, but you still have to pass the class. So at least we have that understanding from the get go. My biology majors, on the other hand, the classes that are for the biology majors, that's a different story because many of them will look me in the eye and say, oh, I love biologists. And I'm thinking, no, you don't. 
You say you do because you think that's what you're supposed to say. You think that by telling me that I'll say, okay, and leave you alone. But I know the truth. You don't want to do this. You're here because someone told you you had to do this, or you think that's what you're supposed to do. Now take a wild guess what most biology majors want to do, or at least they tell me what they want. And if you said, be a doctor, you would be correct. Most of them want to be physicians. And I had a student tell me, you know, Dr. Williams, we constantly lie to you. I said, no, you're not. Or should I rephrase that and say you are, but I'm not buying it. You say, oh yeah, I want to be a doctor, but I don't believe that for a second. That sounds like what someone else is telling you to do, or that's what you think you need to do. That's not what you want to do. When's the last time you talked to a physician? Have you tried to shadow one? Have you studied for the MCAT, the medical college admissions test? Do you know that things like six and a half hours long? And from the time you go to the testing center to the time you leave is roughly about seven and a half hours. And I say, you can barely sit through one of my exams. That's about 50 minutes long. How are you going to sit through a six hour long exam? Do you even know what's on it? Do you know there's biology on it? Chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, psychology, sociology, biochemistry. Did you know that was on there? And they give me this deer in the headlights look. As I said, I've tried to give them options. When I first started teaching, I had the students self-publish a book and they loved the assignment, but to them, it was just another assignment, just another thing they had to do. And I've talked about networking and I talked, and I talked about how to connect with people or connect with influences in your field. I even gave them an email script. So let me get to the point here, living someone else's life. I say, you all are paying way too much money and tuition for you to not do what you want to do. And the unfortunate reality is it's not just students. As a society, we're the same way. Sometimes we're defined by our roles. We're parents, we're caregivers, we're spouses. But just because you're defined by a certain role doesn't mean that you can't connect with who you really are. There was this movie that my family and I saw some years ago and it was called A Runaway Bride. And I don't remember a lot of what happened in that movie. The title says it all. There's this lady who she would date these guys and just as they're about to get married, she leaves them at the altar, which I really hated. But if there's anything I took away from that movie, there was a subplot about eggs. When she dates these guys, if the guy says, I like scrambled, then she says, I like scrambled. If the guy says, I like devil, she says, I like devil. But she didn't like any of that stuff. She said what she thought the guy wanted to hear. At one point in the movie, she cooks all these eggs in different types of ways. And she says, I'm going to find out what type of eggs I really like. And so many of us do the same thing on a much larger scale. Like I said, with the students, they spend about four to six years of their life and tens of thousands or 100,000 of dollars in tuition for a life they don't even want to live. And some of them are probably aware of it. Others, not so much. They convince themselves. And the, and the reason why we do that is because sometimes our family members convince us. And I'm not saying what they're doing is insidious or malicious. Is that sometimes people mean well, but they just have bad information. Like if you've listened to the episode I did some time ago about toxic family members. And I gave the example of a father who said, tell my son, why he needs to be a doctor. Now he wasn't asking me, he was practically telling me to do that, but I couldn't in good conscience. I said, sir, are you a physician? Is anyone else in your household a physician? Because I don't think you realize the type of pressure you're putting on your son. Being a physician 
now is not what it was 50 years ago. Things have changed so much and there's a lot of government regulations. And if he goes to medical school and if he doesn't want to do it, and I'm assuming he doesn't, or we wouldn't be having this conversation, he is going to hate his life and he will resent you in the process. So fast forward a few weeks later, and then I see the son, he comes and he hugs me and he said, thank you for telling my father that. Well, apparently they had a conversation with his mother and they decided to kind of back off. They didn't realize that's what they were doing to their son. They thought that was the best course of action, not realizing that they were operating on some bad information. So that does happen. And of course, most of us have a strong emotional attachment to someone and we don't want to disappoint them particularly if it's a parent. Okay. So now that I laid the groundwork, what's the remedy? I don't like the airy fairy pie in the sky up there and high type thinking. I like to give you something that you can chew on, but this is one of those things that was really tough to come up with because there's that cliche, be true to yourself. And even though I do believe that here's the problem, we know what that means, but we don't know what that means. Intellectually, we understand that means to be authentic. That means to be honest with yourself. But on the other hand, most people don't know what that entails. They're so used to lying to themselves and to everybody else. They don't really know what that means. What do you mean my authentic self? If I were to ask you, who are you? or some of the things you like, you know, going back to that movie, the character says, you know, I like all these different eggs. No, she didn't really like it. She said that because she wanted to go with the flow. She wanted to be a part of the program. She didn't want to be an anomaly. So most of us cannot even articulate what it is that we really want to do. So let me give you some three things here. These three things are very simple, but they're very powerful and they may not seem to have anything to do with anything but it's the core foundation for starting to be honest with who you are and therefore break that need to live someone else's life. Number one, I want you to look up the word virtues or human virtues. Virtues are the good part of humanity. They're the positive traits. They're like, you're generous, you're kind, you're intelligent, you're patient, basically any positive trait you can use to describe another person. And I say find three to four that resonate with you. Now I'll give you an example. Intelligent would be one. And yes, I consider myself a fairly intelligent person, but it's not one of the things that I value because intelligence is relative. When it comes to biology, I'm quite intelligent, but ask me about microeconomics. I'm about as sharp as mud. So intelligence means different things to different people. But the things that do resonate with me, detachment, that's the one thing above all things that I value. And I've said in previous episodes, detachment doesn't mean that you're apathetic or it's a lack of feeling. It just means that you can be in the midst of chaos and not have it bother you. You can be objective. And that's something I value. And the other three things I value, authenticity, independence, and creativity. Number two, define three or four core principles or pillars. And what do I mean by that? These can be quotes. These can be scriptures, a statement that you resonate with. One statement that I resonate with is the way you are is a reflection of who you are. Every now and then I'll get that difficult student that feels the need. Hey, everybody watch me talk back to the professor. My response to that is immediately to say the way you are is a reflection of who you are. You cannot give respect if you don't have respect for yourself. Whatever you're dishing out at me is what you're dishing out at yourself. And that tends to stop that more often than not. All right. So what principle, what pillar, what statement resonates with you? And then that's what you're going to use to define why you do the things you do. Okay. And then number three, what is the one thing you cannot stand or what is that? Or what are those things you don't tolerate? Now for me, I can't stand when people put a burden on me, they wouldn't carry themselves. They're giving me all this unsolicited advice. 
An example was after my mother had passed away. One of my family members said, well, you know, I thought I would have thought by now you would have bought your mama a headstone. And I said, if it means that much to you, you buy it. You're not going to put that burden on me. Don't tell me to do things that you yourself wouldn't do. The discussion was, okay, what are we going to do about the house? And people said, well, you should keep it and you should do all this other stuff, which of course I ended up doing, but not because they told me it was a decision I made. And they're telling me you should do this and you should do this to the house. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Help me out with the property taxes. Help me with the mortgage. Don't start telling me what I should or shouldn't do when you yourself wouldn't want to get involved. Okay. What is the point of these three things? Like I said, some people do not know how to connect with that authentic part of themselves. And when you do just these three things, you start to gain some clarity into how you think and to why you think the way you think. And once you form that foundation, then you can build on it and start making decisions. You know, you've, you've heard me give this example about my professor who wanted me to go get her laundry, but because I had these core principles pretty early on in life, I said, no, I'm not getting your laundry. (laughs) That is very inappropriate. Or I had someone volunteer me to do something without asking me first. I said, no, there's no way I'm doing that. If you want me to do something, ask me to do it. Okay. So if I didn't do these things and let's, let's go back to those examples. Hey, Shayla, uh, you're supposed to do this. We put you on this list. We didn't ask you, but we want you to do it. If I didn't have that foundation, I probably would have gone along with it. But once you have that foundation, your, your ability to say no to people, your ability to stop things down this track, you become more used to it the more you do it. It gets easier and easier each time you do it. But it's kind of hard to do if you don't have that foundation. I talk about standing up for yourself. When it comes to living your life and not the life people envision for you, there is something called responsibility. You know, as a professor, like I said, my days are numbered. But at the same time, I'm not just going to quit right now. We're in the middle of the school year for me to just stop everything I'm doing. Say, okay, students, forget you. It's time for me to go on. We No, I can't do that because I have a responsibility. I signed a contract, which is legally binding. So it would be irresponsible for me to just drop everything, stop teaching, and then go on another way and just shriek for my responsibilities. Now, after the school year is over, my contract gets renewed for the 18-19 school year. Then I can say, no, I don't want to renew my contract or yes, I want to renew my contract because I don't know if I'm coming back for the last year or not, but whatever, I have a responsibility to see this thing through to the end. Quite honestly, I just want to take an RV and go traveling around the U S but again, can't do that right now. Maybe, maybe in the summer (laughs) or maybe when my contract comes back and says, do you want to renew? No. Okay. Then I can do that. Makes sense. All right. So live the life that's authentic to you, but at the same time, Don't shrink from your responsibilities. Okay. That's my whole thing about living someone else's life. So to recap, do those three things I talked about. Look up the virtues, find three or four that resonate with you. Define three or four core principles, which are quotes, scriptures, or whatever that resonate with you. And then talk about the one thing you cannot stand or just a few things you can't tolerate. And then once you vocalize those things, once you write them down, It forms the foundation for you to start crafting the life that you want to live and not live a life that's inauthentic. And yes, by the way, I did have my students do this. And one of them was a graduating senior. And she told me, I wish I could have done this when I was a freshman. I would have saved myself so much trouble. And I said, exactly. Don't underestimate how simple these three things are. They are very powerful and they can help you craft the life you want to live. All right. So until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the toxic people detox.com. Find peace.
Toxic Negativity.